This Friday night, April the 28th, Jason Klaus and Sean Grugel are going into the 90s for Power Trippin' Into the 90s Live Karaoke and Costume Party. Come join the fun and be the star on the stage that you have always wanted to be as we tackle the 1990s. You will also see a live podcast recording with the guys that is going to be hosted by DJ Cassandra Ray. So join us at the Backroads Bar and Grill this Friday, April the 28th, beginning at 8 p.m. for Power Trippin' Into the 90s Live. You're listening to the Pure Fury Creations Entertainment Network. The views and opinions expressed on this episode are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the views, opinions, or philosophies of the PFC Entertainment Network, or any of the affiliates that make this show possible. This show has also been rated M for mature audiences only. I'm Jason Klaus, and over the course of my life, I have done a lot of different things, worn a lot of different hats. But this may be my greatest endeavor yet. Welcome to my show, and on here we will discuss a variety of different topics from sports to entertainment to pop culture, but above all else, we will discuss how we can make a positive difference for ourselves and for those in and around our lives. I may go on rants, I may go on sidebars, but it all comes from the heart. Welcome to the Klaus to the Heart Podcast, the flagship show of the PFC Podcast Network, powered by Anchor.fm. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Klaus to the Heart Podcast, the flagship show of the PFC Entertainment Network. I'm Jason Klaus. Thank you so much for tuning in. To this week's episode, we're, we're attempting a dual presentation here uh, this week with this week's topic because it is kind of a sensitive, well, there's no kind of about it. This is a sensitive topic. And um, this is one of those things, one of these topics that I've been approached in a couple of different ways by a few different people in terms of like this is something that a lot of people are dealing with and this is also one of those things where i feel like people approach me with it number one because apparently what i think or what i say my opinions on it um means something to them on the other hand this is one of those things where people like they dial in on 
my physical presentation in addition to my verbal presentation. So we're attempting to film this for the YouTube channel. Now, hopefully we can get all the ducks in a row and that can be a thing. Um, it, uh, you know, bare minimum, we'll at least have audio because I'm doing the audio in, in one format, I'm doing the video in another. So hopefully they will correspond and everything will work out splendidly because that would be ideal, right? Uh, so, I mean, there's not going to be a lot of bells and whistles with this. If this does get uploaded to YouTube, this is just an opportunity, um, you know, for you to see my physical presentation. If that's something that resonates with you or that's something that you're interested in. So there's that. Um, we're going to talk about something this week that I have been contemplating for a number of different months at this point actually it goes back further than that because this is this is one of those things that i have personally been dealing with for years at this point and uh i i have to i have to preface everything by saying i'm going to make a real concentrated effort to keep my focus on the camera uh, look into the camera, but please understand that a lot of times when I'm just strictly recording audio, especially for the flagship show, if I am running solo, um, like my eyes dart all over the place. I've got a number of different things on my wall right in front of me here in the studio um, that direct my attention. And in, in, in a way, it kind of keeps me on the rails, right? I got pictures on my desk here uh you know of people that are my inspiration that motivate me to do everything really in every aspect of life um so if i don't focus exclusively on like looking into the camera please forgive me for those of you who are listening to the the audio feed only either on itunes or spotify or google plot uh podcast that doesn't doesn't necessarily apply to you so just, you know, I'm trying to make this uh, uh, a dual presentation, for the lack of a better term. Now, um, full disclosure, this is my second time recording this. Uh, like, I was real dialed in with the first one, and it really, like, by the time I was done, I was like, ooh, I think I just recorded a little bit of magic. Uh, then I, I don't even know what the hell happened, but some, something, something went askew. And, uh, so here we are re redoing everything. Um, and it, it's kind of a blessing, not a blessing, but like the silver lining is like, I wasn't going to do this as uh as a video presentation too. So I figured, yeah, what the fuck? I'll just go ahead and do it. Uh, anyway, I want to talk about something that many of you are dealing with i want to talk about something that if you haven't dealt with it at this point in your life chances are pretty favorable that at some point down the line you will grief grief over the loss 
of a loved one. This is one of those things in life that puts on full display just how individualized we really are because people deal with grief in a variety of ways. Now, it's easy for anybody to sit there from the outside looking in and have their own opinion as to the quote-unquote right way and the wrong way to handle grief. Now, I want to say something. Now, generally, when I when I tackle things like this, like I will lay the groundwork, I will take you on a journey, and then it culminates with the, the purpose of what you had just listened to, kind of like putting a bow on it, right? I'm not going to do it that way this week. I'm not going to do it that way with this topic. I'm going to come right out of the gate and tell you that the whole purpose of this episode is to let you know that there is no right way or wrong way to grieve. And furthermore, there is no timetable as to when you're supposed to be quote-unquote over it. Anybody that tells you that it's time to get over it I would suggest it's time to get over them. And I realize that's a harsh statement. I realize that that includes significant people in your life if that is something that you are dealing with. If that is something that they have bestowed upon you, you need to get over it. Enough time has elapsed. It's time to move on, as it were. That could be, in my estimation, the most insensitive thing that you could ever say to another human, especially when they are grieving the loss of somebody that meant a tremendous deal to them. You're listening and or you're looking at a man that has experienced significant bouts of grief for an extended period of time. And just when I start to feel like I'm coming to terms with this is the new reality, something else comes down the pike. And it's just not like uh, one of those everyday fleeting moments that, eh, you know, you'll get over it. No, it's pretty goddamn significant, to be honest with you. Now, I don't consider myself an expert in anything. I have made no bones about the fact that I, I, you know, you don't see degrees on my wall. You don't see diplomas on my wall in, like, psychology and, and all of that shit. What, what, like, if you're, if you're watching the YouTube show, you're seeing, like, pictures of my podcast career in, in the immediate background. But you look all around here, and I've got different pictures and different memorabilia, like from wrestling and, and things of this nature. You know, I say that to say, anybody that uh, that tells you 
or to makes you feel like you are wrong for grieving in a particular way. One of various aspects are coming into play. One, they've never had to experience anything like that. And in, in the grand scheme of things, they're very fortunate in that aspect that they've not had to deal with that. Two, they're detached from reality. They have no fundamental concept of feelings, of your internal makeup, their internal makeup, for whatever reason. It could be, it could be a defense mechanism. And I try to look at things through other people's eyes. I try to take into consideration what did they go through that resulted in such a fundamental disconnect with their very being. And that includes being able to tap into your feelings, to your emotions. Over a period of three years, three, I lost my mother and I lost my brother. Now, if you've listened to this program for any length of time, I have gone pretty deep into the woods about losing my brother because it was a significant an unexpected shock to the system. You know, you, when I lost my mom, like, we are pre, we know in the back of our heads, like, we are kind of preparing ourselves for that day. Because generally speaking, the way that things are, like, we are, we kind of, train our brains to to accept the fact that there's going to be a day to where our parents are not going to be here anymore. That's just the way it is. And in some aspects, that was very much the case with me. My mom had been in and out of the hospital for um, quite a few years. But my mom was always the one of the strongest people I'd ever known. And she demonstrated that very early on, you know. But when she started going in and out of the hospital, like, there was a degree of anxiousness and worry and all this stuff. But, like, she always kicked out, man. Like, even, even in the, the, the few times where I was legitimately concerned, like, man, is, is, is this it? No, she kicked out, she came home, and everything was fine until um, February of 2017. And again, she went into the hospital. I was fully expecting her to, you know, to come home. And it didn't. And when the bottom fell out, it fell out extremely quickly to the point to where I had no time to prepare. Like in the back of my mind, like I was like, she's gonna kick out of this. There's no doubt. There's no doubt in my mind. This this ain't it. 
until it was. And then I was left with this huge gaping void in my soul. That I'm like, my God in heaven, I no longer have a mother in physical form, in the way that I had grown up. It's like, well, what, what do I do now? And it wasn't, I don't know, it's, uh, it was a bad day. Bad, bad day. It happened on Valentine's Day of, <laughs> of all days. Valentine's Day of 2017. And it was ironic that on the day that's supposed to celebrate love and all this shit, like I, I was experiencing the greatest heartbreak I'd ever known. But like my mind wouldn't let me dive too much into it because I had two other individuals that were very much at my forefront and I had to put aside my feelings to make sure that my father and my brother were taken care of because their reactions to all of it was one of the most earth-shattering things I had ever seen, especially with my dad. Like, I think I saw my dad cry twice up until that day. My dad is a very manly man. Hard, hardest worker I've ever known. Uh, didn't put out a lot of emotion. So to see an event like this break him down in the way that it did, like it fucked with me bad. I knew what it was going to do to Jeff. Jeff was very much unapologetically a mama's boy. Like my mom was the center of his world. And I knew what that was going to do to him. And I watched it unfold in real time. So my brain goes to, we're going to put my feelings aside, my mourning aside, to make sure that my dad and my brother are taken care of and that, that I'm there for them and that they know that they're not alone and that not everything is hopeless. Like, I got you. I'm going to take care of you. That's always been kind of my role in the family. I'm the rock of the family. That's me. That's what I signed up for. This is this was my lot in life because I've got some pretty broad ass shoulders. And like I have that capability to shut various aspects of my brain down to focus on what's in front of me to prioritize any given situation. I have that ability. Not a lot of people do. I do. It's a blessing and a curse. So it was bad. Make no mistake about it. But nothing prepared me for April of 2020. When I got that 
phone call that I will never forget. I can close my eyes and vividly recall every detail, right down to the sound and the tone of my father's voice on the other end of the phone call to let me know that the unthinkable had just happened. My baby brother, my best friend, my tag team partner, the guy that I always knew no matter what was going to have my back was no longer here. Somebody turned the switch off and within an instant, he was gone. I wasn't prepared for that. Nothing prepared me for that. And to somebody who is almost to a fault, very calculated in every aspect of my life, like I did not prepare for that. But again, that role of the rock of the family fell upon my shoulders. Because I watched how that event affected my father, who three years prior had just lost his wife, and now he's mourning the loss of his son. His, or my brother's wife, my sister-in-law, and the kids. And then there was a roster of professional wrestlers. There was a legion of fans. There was, you know, a number of different aspects that people looked to me for some sort of guidance, some sort of calm. So I was forced to, not forced, that's the wrong word. I was put back into the, into the position of the protector. I was put back into the position of the one that people look towards to see, how am I going to respond to this? I took that very seriously. Because in, in the wake of tragedy, I had to let people know that as fucked up as this is, it was going to be okay. I didn't know how. Part of me didn't even believe it. But uh, that's kind of the responsibility that I took on. To this day, three years after the fact, five years after the loss of my mom, six years after the loss of my mom, I still haven't had my breakdown moment for my brother. I almost did once. I almost did once. Like, I felt it coming. Like, it was right there, man. It was right on, it was right on the razor's edge. And when I reached out to the one person that I was supposed to be able to reach out to for some sort of comfort, some sort of something, to let me know that I wasn't alone, I got shut the fuck down. And I know what that feels like. 
and I know what kind of irreparable damage that does. You can put a Band-Aid on it all you want, but the fact of the matter is, there ain't enough Band-Aids in the world that's going to stop the bleeding of a gunshot wound that pierces your heart. Because eventually you're, you're going to bleed out. You can try to slow it down, but the inevitable is on the horizon. You know what I'm saying? I understand grief in ways a lot of people have never experienced. I can't tell you how many different funerals and eulogies I have been a part of over friends, colleagues, family members. I sit back and I look at my life and the road that I have been on. And it's kind of mind-boggling to think that I have survived this myself because it's been one thing after another, man. And it adds up and it adds up and it adds up. And in the meantime, it's eaten away at you. Because you, I felt like I was not allowed to grieve. And now that I have opportunity, we'll call it that, Everything is so far on shutdown, I I can't. I mean, I know there's going to be a day wherein it comes. It could be 13 years from now. And then all of a sudden, it's going to be one thing that just opens up the floodgates. I realize that that's going to happen. Or it may not. I don't know. I'm a lot of things. Fortune teller is not one of them. I have a lot of things. A crystal ball is not one of them. And I often wondered, like, I, I got so angry at God. Like, why? Why are you doing this? Why did you take these people away from me? The, these were good people. When you, when you can go on social media, you can turn on the news, you can turn on the radio, and you see these absolute horrors of human beings on full display, and nothing happens to them. Why are the good ones taken? Like, I, I got very, very angry. I turned my back on God. I told God to go fuck himself. Straight up. Word for word, with not a care given, because I was that hurt, and I was that angry, and I had, I felt like I had nobody to rely on. I couldn't count on anybody. I say that, and there's going to be those of you who are listening or watching, and you're going to take exception to that, and I understand that. In rea you know, reality tells me I had people in my corner that were there for me. But psychologically, I felt very abandoned. I felt very alone. I felt abandoned because my mother and my brother were no longer here. They were taken away from me. And I wanted to know why. 
And I feel like part of it, as I've sat here and kind of digested everything, I feel like a good part of it is because this was preparation to put me on a path to be something for somebody else that for whatever reason, I was able to withstand all of the grief and come to an understanding as to what and why and how and all this stuff so that I could be a beacon for other people who would eventually go through very similar situations. I feel like that's the silver lining. I feel like I feel like this is my role to let you, the viewer, the listener, the fan, the friend, like I am your beacon that, uh, yeah, it sucks. Sucks bad. But it ain't the end of the world. We just got to figure out a different way to handle it to deal with it, to mourn it. Mourning in a way that's not going to be a detriment to you or to those who are closest to you. Now this starts a very slippery slope. This is where you start to dive into your feelings, especially if you have lost somebody in your life that is of major significance, a parent, a sibling, grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, God forbid, your kids, because we're not supposed to bury our kids. But like I know people who have. And that's a whole nother layer of sadness that I hope I never have to experience. I couldn't even imagine. If something happened to one of my kids, couldn't even imagine it. People will ask me, how did you do it? How do you do it? How do you withstand so much hurt and so much pain? in that void in your soul, how do you handle it without completely going off the rails? I don't have the answer. Because what I've done may not resonate with you. It may not be an option for you. What did I do? I was able to rechannel that energy into something else, into a different endeavor into a different aspect. It was to take all that pain and all of those feelings that are associated with the loss of a significant loved one that uh, kind of shaped and formed and molded me into this. What you're listening to, what you're watching. To help you overcome what you're dealing with.
Maybe that's what I'm here for. I don't know. Maybe that's why I started the podcast. Maybe that's why I started the YouTube channel. Maybe that's the whole reason why I'm here. What if this was my purpose? What if I'm an apostle? I don't know. I don't really feel like I am. Because make no mistake about it, I've got my fair share of flaws just like anybody else. I probably got more than any two or three people. Could be. But now I want to focus on what you may be going through. And again, I realize this is kind of generalization, and I've spent the last however long, 25 minutes or what have you, kind of laying the groundwork as to what brings me to this point. Because nothing pisses me off more than when I see or I hear about an individual who is experiencing a significant loss and they're told they need to get over it. Or they're told that um, it's time to move on. Or in the midst of their grieving, the, the person or the people that they are supposed to be able to rely on are essentially shunning them rolling their eyes, turning their backs on them in a time where they need you the most. If you are an individual that subscribes to that philosophy, if you are a, if you are an individual that has some sort of bullshit timetable as what an acceptable time of grieving is, and once that time has elapsed, you make it abundantly clear to that person that they no longer have the right to grieve the way that they do. You are, in my opinion, fundamentally to your core, a bastard. You suck at life and you serve no purpose. That could be the cruelest thing that you will ever do to an individual that you are supposed to care about. And I don't give a flying fuck if it's because you have detached yourself from your emotions, if you have experienced a loss like that, or that you have not ever had been put into that, that scenario. It doesn't matter. What matters is you have demonstrated who you are fundamentally to your core, and you are not a good person, and you do not serve any good purpose to those who love you, who count on you, who depend on you, and dare I say, more often than not, have taken care of you in some regard or another. For you to act like that, I don't care. I, I don't give a shit if, if, if it's your spouse. I don't give a shit if it's a significant other. I don't care if it's a family member. I don't care if it's your best friend of 25 fucking years. You have failed. To make that individual feel like they are not warranted in their mourning or their feelings 
you are a fucking failure. And the fact that that individual still allows you to be a part of your life or their life, I guess I should say, is mind-boggling to me because you don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. I've had conversations like this. And the dumbest thing that I've ever heard is, this is tough love. No, sir, this is you being an asshole. No, ma'am, this is you being a complete bitch. That's what that is. There is no gray area here. This is black and white. I don't know how else to make it clear. You have failed. And your presence and your influence, more often than not, is now on borrowed time. The hourglass has flipped, the sand is coming through, and you are on borrowed time to be anything significant in that person's life. Because you showed who you truly are. For those of you on the opposite side of that spectrum, if you are one who has experienced a loss, you've lost a parent, your mom, your dad, if you've lost a sibling, You've lost a grandparent that meant the world to you. You lost your best friend. I want to make something abundantly clear. Abundantly clear. If you're watching this, I want you to zero in on my face. I want you to zero in on my eyes. There is no timetable to grieve. There is no, I mean, aside from the fact that as long as it doesn't hurt yourself or hurt other people, there's no right way or wrong way to grieve. You're going to grieve the way you want because part of your heart is destroyed. Part of your soul is now compromised. There's a big-ass hole in it that by and large will never be filled again. It will form scar tissue over top of it, but underneath that layer of scar tissue, there's still a very big missing piece. I know that because I feel that. For anybody to make you feel like you are wrong for grieving or that you've taken too long to mourn the loss of somebody significant. I can only imagine, well, I mean, I it's not even imagining at this point. Like, I understand that mind fuck. It's manipulation. It's a form of abuse, if, if we're going to be straight up and honest about it. And if there are people in your life that are making you feel that way, they are making you feel less than or that you are doing something wrong or that you 
feel bad for grieving somebody that meant something to you that's no longer here in physical form. And again, I know it's, I understand it's easier said than done. Because I've had conversations, personal conversations, face-to-face conversations. And it's like, you don't know this person. You don't know what, you know, what kind of influence that they have. They don't know, you don't know what they can do to me. (laughs) Yeah, I do to some degree because I'm watching it unfold right before my very fucking eyes. So, yeah, I get it. I may not understand the exact specifics. I may not be a part of the exact dynamic. But I understand. I do. And that's why I feel so passionate about this. This is what gets me fired up the way that it does. Because you are entitled to your feelings. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to feel like your whole world is caving in on top of you because in some aspects, that's exactly how it feels. Especially if you didn't see it coming. Especially if it's that random ass phone call at 12 o'clock in the afternoon that says, you need to sit down, so-and-so has passed away. I got that phone call, and I wasn't sitting down. I get it. I get it more than most people do. And make absolute no mistake about it. You have every right to feel the way you do. You have every right to mourn the way you feel is best to celebrate the memory of that person that you lost. And there is no timetable. There's nothing that says you need to be over this shit within a 90-day period. That ain't real life. That's not realistic. And anybody that tells you otherwise, number one, is full of shit. And number two, have demonstrated they don't have your best interest at their forefront in a situation like this. And in my opinion, they got to go. You need to sever that tie. Or at bare minimum, you need to get them out of your inner circle and put them somewhere on the outer ring if you don't want to completely sever all communication with them. That's just the way I do it. That's where I'm at at this stage in my life. If there is somebody that comes across my radar that conducts themselves in that aspect, in that manner, that demonstrates to me what I am to them in their life, and what they value my feelings and my concerns and my heartbreak and all the other emotions that go into it, if that is not taken into consideration, they're gone. Without question, 
without hesitation, without regret. Because I don't need people like that in my life, nor do you. Especially in a situation where you are in the mindset that you are. You are experiencing a heartbreak that you have never, ever experienced. You are experiencing this rush of feelings, of loss, of despair, of hopelessness, of all of the ill feelings that come into play when you lose somebody like that. Why in the blue fuck would you want to keep any kind of contact with an individual that don't care about you? Don't care about your feelings? Because that's what's on display here. And again, I realize what I'm saying comes off extremely harsh. I realize what I'm saying. So, yeah, I, because there's some dude out there right now that's watching this or listening to this. What I've just said has triggered a very angry reaction. This motherfucker's telling me that my wife should leave me. No, motherfucker, I'm telling you that your wife needs to, to sever ties with you because you have demonstrated that you are no good for her if you cannot support her in the time that she needs support, which I would be willing to bet more often than not, she has been there by your side at your darkest hour unapologetically and now that the the script has flipped you're putting some bullshit restraints on it. you need to be over this by now no she or he needs to be over you right now and instead of worrying about what your dumbass is thinking they need to focus on the people that are going to be there for them because when we experience loss like this, some of us just want to collapse. They just want to let go. They want somebody to catch them because they can't stand on their own anymore. The weight of the world is too heavy for them. And who in the hell could blame them? I get it. The whole world come crashing down on mine and it would have been real easy to just succumb to it all. I didn't have that choice in my mind for the reasons that I've already laid out. That was not an option for me. That's not to say that there weren't people that, to this day, will tell me, I'm here if you need me. Yeah, I get it. But, like, I'm not there yet. And that's kind of the weird way my brain is wired because I don't want to be a burden. That's not me. It's not how I conduct myself. I came in here today and I'm recording this because I need you to know those who are grieving, those who are mourning the loss of somebody significant, you're not wrong for feeling the way that you do. You take all the time that you need to heal your heart, to heal your soul. I realize it seems like that's never going to happen. 
no, things will never be the same. Life as you know it now will not resemble what it did before that fateful day or that fateful time. That's reality. And it's okay to mourn that. Like I said, and I will reiterate this time and time again. In my estimation, the only right way, wrong way scenario is don't take it out on yourself, physically, emotionally, or otherwise. Don't take it out on other people in the same aspects. But it's okay to go through the emotions. It's okay to feel the way you do. People need to be reminded of that. They need to be supported instead of condemned. They need to be told and shown that it's okay to show emotion. It's okay to get your feelings out. I would much rather somebody come up to me and just completely collapse in my arms in, in, in those wailing cries in an effort to get that energy out of them. Let it out. The one thing you don't want to do is try to lock it down because I did that. I still do it subconsciously. I realize that now. It's, it's really not the right way to go. Like some people do that as a defense mechanism. I wholeheartedly understand that. But there's going to be a day that comes that it's going to be too much to keep on the inside and you got to get it out. It doesn't matter if you hop in your car and just go driving down back roads and scream until you have no energy left, until you have no voice left. Scream until every vein in your neck protrudes as if you are turning into the Incredible Hulk. Go down some back road somewhere, get out of your car, and just let her rip, man. Cut a promo. Lack of a better term. Scream. Yell. Curse. Throw rocks. Stop the ground so that the devil thinks you're knocking on their door. Scream up at the heavens so that your loved one can hear you. Let them know that you are still here. Get it out. Find your avenue and just let it out. That's my best advice. And for anybody that tells you that you need to get over it, Feels like the best way to get over it is to get over them. Because they've demonstrated on a very fundamental level your feelings, your emotions, your fears, your sadness, your heartbreak, it don't mean a damn thing to them. And in essence, you don't mean a damn thing to them.
So why do you want to privilege them with your presence in their life? Especially when it's things like this that really demonstrate how fragile life is. That we are all on borrowed time. When our number is called, our number is called. There ain't a shit and thing we're going to do about it. When our time here is done, it's done. This is what I mean when I say you got to maximize your minutes. And we get this one thing called life. And it takes instances like significant loss and mourning for that to come to terms. To bring that in perspective. And to demonstrate just how truly precious life is. Because it is. We take it for granted. We take people for granted. We take life for granted. But it also hammers home like that it provides something of a, of a line in the sand. Who's with you? Who's not? Who cares? Who don't? Anybody tries to put any bullshit restraints on you. At the end of the day, they don't have your best interest at their forefront. Now they'll 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 try to mind fuck you in into trying to say, well, I'm just doing this for your own good. If they were really interested in doing what was for your own good, they would just shut the fuck up and listen. Because sometimes that's all we need as somebody who mourns. We don't really need a whole lot of feedback. We just need somebody to listen. Somebody to hold us. Somebody that if we do collapse and we do start heading down, somebody's going to catch us. Figuratively and literally. If you feel like you don't have anybody on your side, if you feel like you don't have anybody to lean on, if you don't have anybody who is there to just listen to you, I'll listen to you. I'll meet you wherever you are. I'll hop on Skype. We'll go through Facebook Messenger. We'll do FaceTime. I'll listen to you. If you want my input, I'll give it to you. If you need me to shut the fuck up, that's what I'll do. Because I know how important it is to need somebody to just care and it not be there. I walked away from a whole life because of that. If you can imagine that, it was a, I mean, make no mistake about it. That wasn't the one and only isolated incident, there, but it was a, it was a, a buildup to that. And that was the final, that was the, the final nail in the coffin as far as I'm concerned. No pun intended. I realize now that was a pretty shitty choice of words, but like, it's how I illustrate things, man. My point is, if you feel like you don't have anybody to lean on, to listen to you, to care, 
All my contact information's out there. Use it. I'll listen to you. I'll catch you if you fall. I don't care. It, it doesn't matter if I know you on a personal level or not. I know how important that is. You just have somebody listen. Not dictate their philosophies or their opinions, but just listen. Just care. Sometimes it makes all the difference in the world. It's the little things, man. But it's the little things that make the biggest impacts in times when you really need it the most. So as we put a bow on this week's episode, I feel kind of shitty about doing this, but this is where my shameless plugs come into play. Um, actually, I'm not. Not this week. Like, I think you you got an ad at the very start of this show. That's all I need to put on here. The only thing that I will say is if you need somebody to talk to, you need an opinion, you need a point of view, you need somebody to just care, the email address is heart at gmail.com or you can find us over on Facebook. Just look for Klaus to the Heart. With that, go out this week, be awesome to yourselves and to each other. maximize your minutes and it's okay to grieve for as long as you need to it's okay we'll see you next week on the Klaus to the Heart podcast the flagship show of the PFC Entertainment Network